The Good Wife Leandra was a good wife to him, no doubt about that. Never a day in these three years, but the home was always clean and tidy, his dinner cooked and ready when he returned, and delicious to boot, always loving and caring and in good humour, and she could make a pretty penny stretch a long way. His only bugbear was this new shirt thing. That was a sore point with him. At first, she'd bought his shirts, and they were good and comfortable, and then suddenly this new idea to stitch them herself to economize. Not her own clothes, mind, only his. She bought the fabric and spent night after night lovingly measuring, cutting and stitching, sending him sweet smiles all the while. He'd just as well she bought them, and he'd happily spare the extra money, and he told her as much. Yet, when she asked if they fitted fine, he'd lied and said yes. He didn't want to hurt her tender feelings. Though they were a bit tight in the arm, and short in the back, and didn't stay tucked in well, it was a small sacrifice to make for her loving tenderness. But the truth was, he really did prefer the store-bought ones. He was sitting there, mulling over those shirts and how to get out of that predicament, when the doorbell rang. Are you Jimmy? A stranger asked as soon as the door opened. Yes, he started, but before he could get out another word, the man banged out an impertinent, married to the widow Leandra? That got Jimmy's coat it did. What's that to do with you? he challenged. The stranger tossed back his unruly red head and laughed uproariously. <laughs> well, I'm the man whose death made her a widow, aren't I? That's what it has to do with me, young fellow me lad. Jim's knees buckled. The drowned husband? Back from the dead? How could it be possible? And what would it mean? It was so many years ago. The intruder grabbed a hold of him and pushed into the house confidently, marching into the living room as if he was still master there. Officiously, he settled Jim down in one chair and took the other one himself, sprawling, supremely confident, like a king in his castle, the wretch. His rude eyes raked the room impertinently. Her workbox sat on the table close by, alongside another of those dreaded shirts. He espied it and guffawed wildly, vigorously slapping his thigh and stamping his foot, raising a puff of dust from the carpet. I see she started you on the handmade shirts, laddie. Do they fit, eh? Jim was gobsmacked and stared at him mutely. They don't, do they? I can see from your face they don't. But you haven't dared to tell her that, have you? That nasty, vicious laugh broke the spell. What's my shirts got to do with you, sir? And how do I know who you are, barging your way in like this when my wife's gone to her sister for the day? Very convenient, I might call that. I've never set eyes on you, and you could be an imposter for all I know, Jim charged him. Imposter? Huh? Then how do I know about the handmade shirts, my little man? And is she getting you to take the garbage out yet? Jim started in his seat. How did he know? This was a relatively new trend too. 
First, just the once, then once more and once more again, then once a week and now he was doing it all the time. He didn't like it. Men didn't do things like this in their village. But she always asked so sweetly and she'd be busy and he'd be relaxing in front of the telly. It seemed churlish to refuse. She was such a good wife to him. Oh-ho! The nasty fellow boomed triumphantly. She has! And are you giving her a hand with this rug then? Does it get too dusty? For her wee hands to be beating the dirt out every Sunday and she needs a big, strong man to be helping her? How do all the other little women manage, huh? Answer me that. Yes, answer me that, I ask you. And you're doing the shopping too now? For the road uphill is such a hard, sore thing for her with all those heavy bags. Jim's hair stood upon his head and his heart raced in his chest. How did this man know all that went on inside their home that he had taken such pains to keep hidden from public sight? Under his aggressive certainty, Jim felt the burning shame that he'd not confessed even to himself at having to do these things. They were chores for women and old men and if any of his buddies had found out, he'd have been jeered at. Even though it wasn't right to say anything was a woman's job nowadays, What with them flying planes and being engineers and accountants and surgeons and such like? But you know what he meant, don't you? There are some things a man doesn't like to do. But she was such a good wife to him in every way. And if she needed a little helping hand now and then, he didn't have the heart to say no. Even if that's what he really wanted to say. She's got you well and truly taped, my man. I can see that. The man's tone changed and became more sympathetic. Don't I know, Leandra? I'm the first man she got her wicked hooks into, aren't I? Now, don't you worry. I'm not here to break up your happy little life, fetching and carrying and cleaning for her, which is where you're going. I've been there myself. So you can have your little serfdom and no objection from me. But I can tell you now, I was finally willing to die to shake off my chains, or at least to let her think I died. He roared with that malicious laughter again, and the loud sound bounced off the walls in the suddenly stifling room. Just give me a little something to keep me warm at night, with a broad wink, and I'll be on my way and never darken your doorstep again as long as Leandra lives and breathes. Even hiding behind the bush across the road, she can still strike terror in my soul. Brrr! She's a cat to break a man's loving heart, she is. And she broke mine before I was willing to take my chance and run. You're a braver man than I was, I can tell you that, if you can stick it out. I'd rather be drowned and done with her than alive and in her sweet, sweet grip. So just you give me a little something now and I'll be on my way. Jim couldn't wrap his head around what this obnoxious stranger was saying. It didn't make any sense. And yet it made complete sense. Everything he'd said was awfully, awfully true. 
the shirts, the garbage, the rug, all the little fetchings and carryings, and the two casually tossed out help me's. He poisoned everything, this fellow, and now Jim saw his life through those wicked, taunting eyes, and the vision was a terrifying one. And he'd be damned if he was going to pay for the pleasure. He turfed the ugly devil out the door with not a drop to warm him on his journey, still shouting and protesting. But the brute knew he'd been outplayed. He didn't come back. Leandra frightened him good and proper. The hours drew on by and by as Jim sat there alone, drowned in his miserable thoughts. It was late evening when she bustled in from her sister's. Surprised that he was sitting in the dark and hadn't touched his lunch? It was lying cold and congealed on the counter, with the cover still on it? Was anything the matter? She fussed over him like a mother hen, putting her sweet little hand on his forehead to check if he was running a temperature. She hadn't even taken off her shoes yet. Her face was etched with wifely concern. Jim slipped automatically into their habitual interchange and patted her kindly and assured her he was fine. he just slumbered off unaccountably. And did she have a good time with her sister? And how was the journey? And the usual guff. It worked, for she gave him a shaky look as she collapsed into the chair so recently occupied by the fake widow-maker and kicked off her shoes. Her relief was palpable. She watched him cautiously and said he'd given her a scare. She really did seem shaken and he almost felt bad for giving her a fright. The ugly visitor had filled his head with too much nonsense. She stretched back sweetly in her cosy chair and pointed her little pink tiptoes and said in a gentle wheedling tone, Put the kettle on, dearest. Let's have a cup of hot tea, both of us. I've brought us a nice bit of cake to go with it. I'm absolutely bushed after the crowds on the train and the hard uphill walk. And while you're at it, could you put out the garbage, my love? I think I forgot yesterday. Something jangled in Jim's head like a fire alarm. The sound drowned out everything except her sweet face and pink toes and his wicked face and glittering eyes. He reached for the long-abandoned book on the table beside him. He picked it up, deliberately, opened it to a bookmarked page, fixed an unwavering eye on her and said, as firmly and crisply as he could, No! I won't be doing that anymore. Ha 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 